In the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, verse 18, the Apostle Paul says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. The Apostle Paul tells us that God wants us to be thankful in everything. He wants, God wants us to be thankful in every situation. But in order for us to be thankful in every situation, it's going to take a great deal of faith on our part. Faith that in God's promise that he will take care of his people. You know, it's, it's hard sometimes for us to be satisfied, to not complain, and to be truly thankful when things are not going the way we feel like that they should. The Bible tells us that if we faint in the day of trouble, our faith indeed is small. Being unthankful opens the door to dissatisfaction, which opens the door to complaining. And they all stem from a, a lack of focus. We fail to remember why we are here. We are here to serve God and prepare for eternity. Being thankful is, about, is all about trust. Trust in someone other than ourselves. The, uh, and we're going to have to have a great deal of faith in order to accomplish that. We're going to need to understand that spiritual growth and pleasing God takes precedence over us maintaining our comfortable lifestyle. You know, I think I've thought about it quite often, listening to myself talk and listening to others, just how ungrateful people really are, and just in general. And if you don't blame me, just think about it. Just listen to what you say. Listen to what other people say, are saying. You know, I'm reminded of a uh, statement that David made. He said, this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. You know, the context of what David was talking about was the, that he was talking about the Lord's day. But if we could embrace the idea that every day, is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice in what has been provided for us. Being thankful should be the natural response. You know, we live in a society that is very affluent. And it seems like the more affluent that we become, the less grateful we are and the less faith we have in God. We have live in a society that in general complains about everything. Often we complain with our mouths full. You know, I think about the children of Israel 
And Moses, he addressed this, this very issue, ungratefulness, unthankfulness, complaining, and forgetting God. And he addressed this in the book of De Deuteronomy. And he says, when God shall bring you into the land to give you cities which you didn't build, houses full of things that you didn't fill, wells that have been dug that you didn't dig, and vineyards and trees which you did not plant. He says, when you have eaten and are full, then beware lest you forget the Lord. And say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand hath gotten me this wealth. Moses says, remember, it is the Lord that gives you power to get this wealth. Sometimes I wonder if we have become a mirror image of the children of Israel. Has our affluence caused us to be ungrateful or unthankful to the very person, the very one that made everything that we have possible? You know, it grieves God when day after day, all he hears is the people that are unthankful. They do not want to be where they're at. They want something different from what they have. And generally complain about everything. You don't remember Eve? She had every tree in the garden to eat of except one. And that's the one that she wanted. This morning I want to discuss about three topics uh, about being unthankful and about complaining. Number one, I want to talk about why people complain and are dissatisfied. Number two, I want to talk about the anatomy of ingratitude and what is really behind uh, being unthankful and dissatisfied. And number three, I want to talk about the consequences of being ungrateful. Number one, people complain and are dissatisfied because of what some people call the greener grass syndrome. We want what we don't have. And we want to be where we are not. In Proverbs 27, verse 20, Solomon said, Hell and destruction are never full, and the eyes of man are never satisfied. We complain about the present, and we long for the future. We complain about the present and long for the good old days. And we forget that we complained when we lived in the good old days and we were so sure that the future would supply the happiness that we desired all along. And through the whole process, we are completely, we've become completely oblivious that God has been with us and cared for us every step of the way. I want to talk a little bit about the children of Israel. And I think it may have a familiar ring to us as we read these scriptures. In Exodus 16 verse 3, the Bible says, And the children of Israel said unto him, unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. 
when we sat by the flesh pots, when we did eat bread to the full. For you have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. The children of Israel were worried about their future. They were going to die from hunger. They longed for the past when they sat by the flesh pots, or the meat pots, in the land of Egypt and did eat their field. And they conveniently forgot that they complained when they were back in Egypt about the, bur- the heavy burdens that the Egyptian taskmasters had placed on them. In Numbers 11, beginning with verse number 4, the Bible says, And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting. And the children of Israel also wept and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers, the melons, and the leeks, and the onions, and the garlic. But now our soul is dried away. Now notice what they say. There is nothing at all besides this manna before our eyes. They said, there's nothing to eat except what God has supplied, this manna. You know, I read this and I think, really? I mean, come on. Folks, you lived in the good old days when you was making bricks without straw. You was working nonstop as uh, the slave drivers directed. And I think, how could you think that that, uh, that was better than what you're experiencing right now? Because now... God is supplying your every need. You're not under the, the, the taskmasters. You're not working nonstop uh, as slaves. God is supplying your every need. He's supplying your food where all you have to do is pick it up and fix it to your liking. You know, Mark Parkhurst once talked about this scripture and he made an observation that I think was very appropriate, and I sure agree with it. And he said, you know, given the choice, I'd rather have quail and uh, bread supplied for me than to work as a slave and eat cucumbers. And that's kind of the way I feel about it. But these people were looking back to Egypt. Israel was ungrateful and and complained about everything. And the reason they did that, they wanted something else. They were not satisfied. They complained they wanted to be somewhere else rather than where they were at at the present. Number two, I want to talk about the anatomy of ingratitude. And what is really behind ungratefulness and dissatisfaction? I believe the scriptures bears out that complaining, dissatisfaction, and being unthankful are symptoms of a weak and a weak faith and spiritual immaturity. In Romans, the first chapter, verse number 17, 
Paul says, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed, faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because the, uh, that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things which are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. So they are without excuse, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Paul said the things that can be known of God has been made known to mankind and can clearly be seen by the things that he has made. And after knowing God, his works... And his nature, there is no excuse for not being thankful and glorifying him. There is no excuse for complaining against him. And by failing to glorify God and showing gratitude to him for the things that he has done, the end result, Paul says, their foolish heart was confused. Their thinking was futile. They thought they were wise. But in essence, they had become fools. I believe that this describes the children of Israel. And possibly, it, is, it may be describing us as well today. Because of the children of Israel's carnal thinking, they failed to recognize God's blessings. They had not put their faith or trust in God that he would continue to care for them. Nor did they give him the glory for the things that he had done for them in the past. Thus, Paul says, the natural thing was that they was complaining and being unthankful about everything. Having a carnal mindset, trusting in ourselves rather than trusting in God, will always lead us down this path. Think about your own life. We have all experienced difficulties and troubles. And there's times that we felt like our world is coming to an end because it was so bad. But you know, God took care of us and brought us through those trials. And this happens on a reoccurring basis. And still... We don't trust him. In Luke, the seventh chapter, beginning with verse number 31, Jesus was talking to the, uh, the scribes and the Pharisees and the people. And the Lord said unto them, uh, Whereunto then shall I liken this, the men of this generation? And what are they like? They are like unto children sitting in the marketplace and calling one to another and saying, We have piped unto you, and you have not danced. We have mourned to you, and you have not wept. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, 
and you say he hath the devil. The son of man is come eating and drinking, and you say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. Jesus compared them the, uh, to the two children that could not be pleased. Nothing would please them. He compared their attitudes to childish games, which some of the children refused to play. Jesus' pointed, uh, point was that God had done everything to engage them and get them ready for the good things that he had prepared for them. He had, it says he had mourned to them. He warned them of the consequences of rejection, and still they rebelled. He said that he had piped to them, he had sent prophets to them, and tried to get them ready for this new and better covenant, and they, would, they didn't want to hear it. They wasn't wanting to listen. You know, you've uh, been around kids as they're playing. One kid would want to play a game, and the other one would try to engage the other kid, and he wouldn't have it. And there was no amount of things that you could say or do that would get the kid engaged in it. And Jesus compared the Pharisees to those, uh, those children. He says that John came showing restraint, neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you were not pleased with him nor the message he had from God. He said, I came in a different manner. I eat and drank with the common man, and you wasn't pleased with me, nor the message that uh, I had from God. You said, I'm a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber, a, a friend of public and sinners. And because of their dissatisfaction, because they were not happy with John or Jesus, they rejected the counsel of God completely. Complaining, being dissatisfied is a serious thing with God. It is God's will that we show gratitude in everything. But to maintain a carnal mindset will never allow this to happen. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Paul says as long as we maintain a carnal mindset, it will be impossible for us to grasp the spiritual. It is foolish to the carnal man to think that he could ever rejoice in persecution or count it joy to be counted suffer, worthy to suffer for the name of Christ and give thanks in those situations and not complain. Yet the spiritual mindset will allow us to embrace both. This brings me my, to my next point, or to my last point. Complaining brings about the judgment of God. In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 6 through 11, the Apostle Paul says, Now these things are our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them, 
As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed and fell in one day, a three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for examples. And they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. These things were re, uh, recorded for our warning, as a warning to us, that we do not fall into the same trap that the children of Israel did. Are we listening? In Numbers 14, verse 29, we remember the children of Israel come to the land of Canaan, went in and sent spies in to spy out the land. They came back and said, no, we can't take the land. There's giants there. They murmured. They complained. They were not happy. It was bad enough that God pronounced judgment upon them. God was not happy with his people. And he said, your carcasses shall fall in the, uh, in the wilderness, ye which have murmured against me. He pronounced death to all of those that had complained and murmured. They had seen all the miracles that God had done for them from the time they left Egypt till they got to the land of Canaan. He had fought their battles. He had cared for them. He had led them, but they did not trust him to fight their battles once they got there. Do you know what murmuring is? By definition, murmuring is complaining under your breath. God thought that murmuring was worthy of death. You know, I'm afraid I have done that before. And I think if we was all honest, we could all say that we have. In Jude, the book of Jude, chapter, I mean, verse 15 and 16, the Bible says to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches and un that which ungodly sinners have spoken against them. These are murmurs, complainers walking after their own lust. Notice what the writer says here. That God will execute judgment on all the ungodly. And he included in the, all the ungodly those that had spoken harshly and those that murmured and those that were complainers. God is frustrated with the unthankful. Listen to what uh, God said to Moses in Numbers 14 and verse 11. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me? And how long will it be ere they believe me for all the signs which I have showed them? Can you not just see the frustration that God had with his people? He said, how long is it going to be? 
that they're going to provoke me? How long is it going to take before they're going to believe that I'm going to take care of them? The children of Israel started complaining from the time they left uh, Egypt. First of all, they said, is there no graves in Egypt that you have brought us out here to die? You have brought us out here to die of thirst. You have brought us out here to kill this whole assembly with hunger. You know what Moses, his reaction to them, what he said? He says, your murmurings are not against me, aren't against us, but against the Lord. Folks, we better be careful. Everyone likes to be appreciated for what they have done for somebody else. They like people to be grateful. We all do. And we have seen kids that have been spoiled, that everything has been done for them, and they're still ungrateful. And we do not like that. But we have a problem, uh, or I guess we're really unable to see the same behavior in ourselves. Too often people want to blame God for things that he didn't do. For the bad things that happens to us. But we need to be careful and put the blame where it belongs. In Lamentations, the third chapter, beginning with verse number 37, the Bible says, Who is he that saith, and it cometh to pass, when the Lord commanded it not? Out of the mouth of the Most High proceedeth not evil and good. Wherefore doth a living man complain, a man for the punishment of his sins? Let us search our and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. Let us lift up our hearts and our hands unto God in the heavens. As long as man listened to God, he dwelt in paradise. But once he started listening to Satan, trouble began. And the writer here, he says, why doth a man complain for the punishment of his sins? Why do we complain? We're being punished because we're, we're doing it ourselves. We created this thing. The writer points out that we want to blame God and ascribe credit to him for something that he didn't do. You know, people, I've heard them say, I just don't understand why bad things happen to good people. Well, it's very simple. The writer here points it out. Man listened to Satan. And because of the disobedience of one man, sin entered into the world. Sin, death, and every bad thing that we experience on earth entered into the world at that time. We need to be careful that we don't place blame on God for Satan's work. You know, we've talked about this morning about uh, why men complain. It's because they're dissatisfied. They want something different from what they have or to be somewhere that they're not. We have uh, shown that the apostles shows that being unthankful, being complaining, being dissatisfied is symptoms of 
a lack of faith and spiritual immaturity. And that this type of behavior will invoke the wrath and the judgment of God. Now just for a few minutes I want to turn from the negative and turn toward the positive. Because I believe that there's some things that will help us in battling this sin. Complaining and murmuring and being unthankful and not being happy. Folks, it's a habit. We have made it a habit with ourselves. It seems like we can't talk about anything without complaining about something. You know, you've heard the conversation. Someone says, well, how are you doing this morning? Well, I'm doing pretty good, but it sure is wet. I'm doing fine, but I don't like that person over there. And probably you've said, why does he have to talk this morning? But it, you know, I mean, there's always complaining of some sort or another. Vicki gave me an analogy that I think is very appropriate and that will help us understand that this is a habit and it can, it's just like any habit, it can be broken. She talked about when we used to plant a garden and it said it would start growing and it wasn't long till the weeds started growing too. And we'd go to the garden daily and we'd see those weeds and we realized that something needed to take place. We needed to pull those weeds up. Sometimes we did, sometimes we didn't. But we knew that they were there. And we knew that as long as we left them there, the bigger that they would grow. And that's just like us with this habit that we've become. The longer we practice it, it's going to be harder to... Uh, to get rid of it in our lives. But we still need to make a conscious effort to go to that garden daily, see the weeds that's there, and clean the, uh, those furrows. You know, having said all of that, a one-time cleaning will not suffice. You can clean it one time and maybe think you have it under control. And about that time the weeds come back. Well, just about the time you think you've got something whooped, here it comes back. So there's going to need to be a periodical cultivation. Now I realize that the farmers do things a lot different from, the time, from whenever I farmed. We didn't have minimum till, really. But we had used sweeps to clean the garden, to plow those furrows. And I, I know that still happens some. But we need to understand that the sweeps that's going to be necessary to clean our spiritual garden is going to, become, is going to come from when we are filling our hearts with the Word of God. You know, Ian, when he was here, talked about he had that jar with the water and the, the balls in it, and he kept pouring water in, and the balls kept falling out. Well, it's very appropriate. It's the same deal. When we put things of God in our heart, we're going to drive out the other things, the negative things. 
And the word of God is what's going to be uh, needful to uh, uh, clean our spiritual garden. The Apostle Paul said in, first, uh, in Philippians 4 verse 8, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are just, are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Being ungrateful, complaining, and never being satisfied is like those weeds in the garden. They must continually be plowed. And thinking on things of good report, thinking on God's word, will be the plow necessary to keep the furrows clean. And it will allow the garden to grow and bear fruit to its potential. But those weeds left alone will sap the, the very life out of that garden. And it will not be able to pr produce fruit. Jesus gave us a positive reinforcement. He says the Father clothes the lilies of the field. He feeds the birds. Will, they, will he not take care of you? And then he talks about a weak faith. David made an observation at the end of his life or close to the end of his life. And he said, you know, I was young. Now I'm old. And there's one thing I have not seen. And that thing that he had not seen was the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Jesus assured us that we would have troubles in life. And we pointed out earlier that was because of man's sin. But Jesus says, you're going to have troubles in life. But, he says, be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. We're going to have to be focused on something other than the temporal. And realize that this life is temporal. And what we have to look forward to is what we need to be focused on. The Apostle Paul encourages us to persevere. In 2 Corinthians 4, begin with verse number 16, Paul said, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look at the th uh, not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You know, I believe that people don't mean to complain, but it seems like that's all we know how to do. That's our total conversation. Wouldn't it be great if we would uh, go the other way and when we spoke, we would be giving God glory for what he's done for us. You know, it's important for us to be in a covenant relationship with God, the Father, and Jesus, his Son. 
And I want to encourage each one of you here this morning. If you're not, you need to get your life right. And get, get it where it needs to be. You know, we all sin. The Bible says if we say we have no sin, that we're a liar. And the truth is not in us. We all have problems. We all have sins. But the beauty part about that is that we don't have to stay in sin. God has provided a way that we can be cleansed from all unrighteousness. We're told that all spiritual blessings are in Jesus Christ. If you're not a member of his body, if you're not in Christ, you need to think about that and seriously consider about, of taking care of that this morning. You need to make a decision to come to Jesus, believing that he is the son of God, and also believe that God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. You need to come confessing that Jesus is the son of God and put off the deeds, repent and put off the deeds of the old man, being baptized for the remission of sins, being raised to walk in newness of life. God also said, you know, if you sin, if we confess our faults, that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. What better God could we have? We messed up, and he fixed it. It's up to us if we want to be in covenant relationship with him. He has given us every opportunity. Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus says, the devil come to destroy and to kill. But he said, I come to give you an abundant life. If you have a spiritual need this morning, won't you come and let Jesus give you that abundant life as we stand and sing?